Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And welcome to a night of community call. Uh, tonight's call, we're going to talk about uh, recently uh, news uh, that came out from uh, Business Insider uh, that talked about the, uh, one, it's one of the largest human experiments in history. that was conducted on unsuspecting residents in San Francisco. And uh, this article was written on July 9th, uh, 2015. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And uh, I actually want to read that article. And then uh, another article uh, is from the website Anonymous. And this he says, uh, leak documents show FBI, DA, and Army can control your computer. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a recent uh, article from the website uh, Anonymous, which I will be uh, reading. But before I begin to read those two articles, um, I do want to play uh, this is an interview. Uh, this was conducted uh, by um, Jesse Beltram, right? and it features Dr. Edward Spencer, who is a neurologist. We talk about uh, silent spectrum technology, and I've talked about this uh, plenty of times on my show, on my show uh, silent sound spread spectrum, uh, which is one of the technologies, uh, classified technology that they have been using on me and uh, of TI. Uh, this is for um, basically implanting uh, thoughts and commands into your uh, subconscious mind, okay, giving you instructions uh, so that uh, you go at particular destinations. So this is, uh, again, one of, one of the technologies that they have been experimenting.
Hello and welcome back, ISAC radio listeners, to the United We Strike Marathon Weekend preaching Don't Buy, Don't Comply, Ask Why. Today is Saturday, June 13, 2015. I'm your host, Jesse Beltran, along with my special co-host, Dr. Edward Spencer, neurologist from Yale School of Medicine and residency at University of San Francisco. Today's topic is the Richmond City Council on May 19th adopts a resolution called the Space Preservation Act. This was authored initially by Congressman Dennis Kucinich called the Space Preservation Act of 2001. And what it did is, what the Space Preservation Act did was, the intent was to preserve the cooperative peaceful uses of space for the benefit of all humankind by permanently prohibiting the basing of weapons in space by the United States and to require the president to take action to adopt and implement a world treaty banning space-based weapons. In short, um, why this is important? Because it addressed and used terminology that has come to service today. Um, Although this bill was watered down in Congress, um, to go over these specific weapons or non-space weapons activities, um, they, they talk about definitions such as inflicting death or injury on or damaging or destroying a person, or the biological life, bodily health, mental health, or physical or economic well-being of a person, um, through the use of any of these means described in clause, um, and it refers to certain paragraphs, through the use of land-based, sea-based, or space-based weapon systems using radiation, electromagnetic, psychotronic, sonic laser, or other energies directed at individual persons or targeted populations for the purpose of information war, mood management, or mind control of such persons or populations, um, or by expelling chemical or biological agents in the vicinity of a person. Um, Such terms that they were using in this bill, I'm reading it specifically from the bill itself, Um, such weapons such as electronic, psychotronic, or information weapons, chemtrails, which is a hot topic today, high-altitude, ultra-low-frequency weapon systems, plasma, electromagnetic, sonic or ultrasonic weapons, laser weapon systems, strategic theater, tactical uh, type weapons, and chemical, biological, environmental, climate, or tectonic weapons. Now, it's interesting to hear these type of words being utilized and implemented within the structure of this bill. Now, what the city of Richmond did uh, that day by a vote of five to two, was quite remarkable. And um, I'll get Dr. Spencer to expound on that. Well, that was an exciting evening to be there and to uh, speak briefly to the city council. We only got about two two minutes each, but that was enough to uh, get them to move forward on this very important measure. And um, the feeling was very positive. There were two uh, negative votes. But the other council members uh, were very positive about about protecting the citizens of Richmond, or at least making a legal uh, statement that they should be protected. Because of course we're dealing with space-based weapons, you know, and the frequencies coming from satellites. I mean, it gets rather complicated about what's going on. But there, there are of course the chemtrails, the aluminum, all of that stuff being sprayed. So Richmond said, "Well, we don't want any." I think that's very important. Dr. Spencer, it was truly remarkable. And let's let our listeners listen uh, to Devonta Beckles, who's 
spearheadedness. And here's what she had to say. I don't want, I wanted to adopt a resolution in support of the Space Preservation Act and the Space Preservation Treaty permanently banned space-based weapons. I would. Um, you know, I think that uh, what I'd, I'd like to do is kind of ash uh, the statement of this issue uh, for those who don't have uh, have the agenda for the moment. Richmond is a, is a welcoming and safe area for all of our residents. We have been uh, led the way in so many initiatives that uh, that uh, protect. And, and provide the rights for all of our residents to to, to feel safe. Um, the narrative that Richmond adopted this is time to be under assault against this weapon. Um, that should be outlawed by the Space Preservation Act. Now, the thing about this is that you know we're we're not trying something. This is in support of what's already been. We're saying as a council, we support this uh, this this, uh, this treaty that's already in in effect, and we also support our residents who dealing attacked um, by by deadly weapons. Um, and so the purpose of this resolution is to show support for residents that identify themselves as targeted individuals by supporting the Space Preservation Act, Space Preservation Treaty, to permanently ban space based Weapons. Now, many targeted individuals believe they've been personally attacked with weapons that should be outlawed by the Space Preservation Act. Um, two years ago, um, when with her, I've met with many of them to talk about this issue. Um, I've also spoken with our police department, Megan, um, to, to, to Figure out how how law enforcement can support um, these individuals. Uh, first of all, by delisting and not uh, and and, um, and and actually just taking reports of, of incidences uh, that are reported. And the police department was, was was open to that and is open to that. And all we can work with our residents and helping them living in our city. Um, so in our city, we put forth our best effort to listen and respect the voices, the wisdom of the, and experiences of our residents. And so I, I don't the science won't ignore um, the support. So in fact, they have been exposed to these types of uh, inhumanities and cause them uh, uh, great emotional and bodily harm, sort of like already there on the federal level. So we're saying as a council, we support this uh, this this, uh, this treaty that's already in, in effect, and we also support our residents who really uh, act by by certain. Um, and so the purpose of this resolution is to show support for residents that identify themselves as targeted individuals by supporting the Space Preservation Act, Space Preservation Treaty, to permanently ban space based Weapons. Now, many targeted individuals believe they've been personally attacked with weapons that should be outlawed by the Space Preservation Act. Um, two years ago, um, one of the residents who I talked now, um, with her, I've met with many of them 
about this issue. Um, I've also spoken with our police department. Um, to, to, to figure out how how law enforcement can support uh, these individuals. Uh, first of all, by at least listening and not uh, and and, um, and and actually just taking reports of, of incidences uh, that are reported. And the police department was, was, was open to that and is open to that and all willing to work with our residents and help with them. living in our city. Um, so in our city, we put forth our best effort to listen and respect the voices and wisdom of the, and experiences of our residents. And so I, I don't pretend to bias. I don't ignore um, or support those who suspect they have been opposed to these types of uh, intimate attacks with the intent to cause them uh, uh, great emotional and bodily harm. Uh, and I'm encouraged by these stood up to protect other residents here. I'd like to uh, other officials at the local, the state, and national level put floor members to expand support to all residents. So that was uh, Council Member Javonka Beckles who helped initiate this uh, proposal, this resolution, uh, through the help of Amy Anderson. And what ended up happening is they ended up uh, talking to us with HR. Two nine seven seven, which included all aspects of uh, air-based technologies, which the Senate initially had in his resolution on the um, resolution two thousand one. Um, so there were uh, four members, council members, who voted for and two against. One was the mayor, and one was another council member. Now, if you heard thought that she said she had the support and uh, of the police department, they were engaged, they were open-minded, and um, one specific uh, member of the police department there in Richmond was Captain Mark Gagan. Now, towards the show, we're, we're going to talk a little more about uh, Mark Gagan uh, because there was um, some fallout uh, that happened after the, they supported us in this resolution, and they didn't expect the amount of uh, or overwhelming amount of uh, cries, calls from people uh, not only in the United States but from all over the world. Isn't that right, Dr. Spencer? Um Afterwards, of course, uh, there was a fallout, uh, and that uh, a lot of uh, calls came in to people asking for help. And um, I suspect a lot of these calls were by perpetrators, just to gum up the works to uh, to make things difficult for the rich police department and for everybody. Um, and uh, Alfred Weber, who uh, you know, I guess one of the persons who wrote the bill, worked on the bill, said that he said they should just uh, they should get a desk, and they should tape all calls, and get a name and a telephone number and a callback, and so that uh, most people who identify who are actually uh, targeted individuals would probably not be hesitant about giving that information. Uh, some might, but uh, anyone who was an agent perpetrator would probably not want to do that. Yeah, and just to bring our listeners up to speed, what this, this milestone was, is the initial you know, Space Preservation Act of 2001 uh, was H.R. 2977, which was authored by Dennis Kucinich. Um, and basically what it defined in there, for the first time they were identifying 
that these type of weapons existed. And he put this before uh, Congress so that they could vote to, to outlaw these particular weapons because um, he was aware that they were being used uh, on human beings. And the act contained admissions of the existence of theoretical type uh, technologies, uh, electronic technologies, psychotronic, or information weapons. Uh, he even used the word chemtrails, Dr. Spencer, at high altitudes and low-frequency weapon systems, plasma, electromagnetic, sonic, or ultrasonic weapons, laser weapons systems, uh, strategic theater, tactical, um, all of these chemical, biological, environmental, everything. It pretty much covered the gamut um, because he was aware of exactly what was happening. And he met with some resistance in Congress, and it, it did get watered down. They changed it. They altered the language like they do in a lot of bills and legislations just to sneak by and, and get their way and continue to do uh, things that uh, most constituents within this country would uh, be up in arms about. And, and a lot of them are waking up. And a lot of them are up in arms, but it just seems that they're just not waking up fast enough. So what Dr. Spencer is alluding to, the fallout that he, he was ex explaining, is that not only were there hundreds of calls from within the United States, the Richmond City Council members were receiving, um, but they were getting calls even from other countries of individuals wanting help. Uh, and for the first time, um, there was a city council who was willing to listen to this issue and, and give hope to otherwise individuals who had no hope. And that's why this was important. And unfortunately, um, due to that fallout, a lot of the, some city council members uh, regretted their, their position in supporting it, uh, which is, um, I guess, it, it, it's a disappointment. But in essence, Dr. Smith, would you, would you, agree with me that really this is about ignorance, not really under, under, having the full understanding of where we are today with patents, with technologies, where, our, um, where a lot of projects through DARPA and a lot of the funding through our universities are being done, and a lot of it non-consensually uh, to citizens here in the United States. Would you agree? Oh, yes. And uh, I think that, you know, the, in a sense, the, this fallout was very positive because it shows that they should have passed it, that there's a problem there, and uh, that a lot of people really need uh, help. Uh, and so that came out with this. And then uh, if it's going to be analyzed more, uh, so, I mean, it's a real problem, and it's a real problem everywhere. I'm, I'm in uh, almost constant or frequent contact, daily contact with uh, Melanie Varenishan and Belgium, who is attacked just horrendously uh, by uh, electronic stuff, uh, imagineering all manner of tortures, and violent uh, gangs. I'll help use that word. They break and enter every time she goes out. They rip up her apartment. It's horrendous. And so I think we can look forward to that occurring here. In fact, I've just talked to some people who were who have experienced that, that sort of stuff, unless we nip it, unless <clears throat> we put up some barriers yeah. uh, to, this, uh, to this, uh, this organized uh, assault on individuals. 
Well, you're, you're very right. And, and it's interesting that the Senate in this initial proposal did talk about the theater that was being used, um, the theater tactics, and, and which is assimilates with this gang stalking um, uh, claims that a lot of the victims talk about. Now, what's, what's interesting here is that um, the mayor of Richmond um, voted against this, and there was a, another city council member, member who voted against this. Um, and and uh, unfortunately, two minutes was, was not enough. But there were some compelling statements um, made by some of the presenters. I did the introduction. Dr. Spencer, of course, she spoke there on behalf of, of the victims and what needs to be done. And um, a good friend of yours, Dr. Spencer, Dr. Uh, ben Colson, yes. PhD, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, also spoke. And he gave just a phenomenal presentation, which perked the ears of some of those city council members. And, and we were quite pleased because we were only given two, two minutes. But when he spoke, they started to ask him questions and, and, and to recite his references that he was giving. And he, he talked about all the, the, the billion dollars that are being spent on brain technologies today. There's a, there's a war for uh, control of your mind. Yeah, at this point, I'd like to play that soundbite of Ben Colson's testimony to the Richmond City Council. Uh, listen here.
Yeah, and he, when Javonica Beckles heard that, you could see her ears perk up, and uh, she took down that information. And, and our hopes is that uh, uh, they are going to to heed our words, and this is just the just the beginning, and then we'll be able to build upon um, these type of resolutions and, and spread from city to city. That being said, I want to talk about some of the fallout. Now, Dr. Spencer, you, myself, Dr. John Hall, who has been a, a huge advocate, who also gave um, his book to each of the members called Kenny Pigs, Technologies of Control, which talks about the history of non-consensual experimentation that has happened here in the United States against our citizens and very eloquently describes it and where we are today and because the pitfalls. And one of the biggest pitfalls is that uh, there seems to be, and Dr. Paul's Ben Colson also alluded to this. There seems to be a huge loophole and a, a sort of this black hole within psychiatry today in the, the mental health fields and, and where uh, there really needs to be some type of protocol that's written in before you diagnose anyone of any type of illness within psychiatry that they have to rule out any of this non-consensual experimentation going on. Is is that a, a good take on everything? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ed. Well, I mean, I mean, we just have to raise uh, the consciousness of everyone as best we can, <clears throat> and it's it can be difficult at times. We just to keep moving along, and uh, people learn. They 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 are exposed to this, and they begin thinking about it. So, um, well. Those are some interesting tidbits. Now, here's talking about the fallout. One of the initial supporters, uh, Mark Gagan, Captain Mark Gagan of the Richmond Police Department there, initially sat down with uh, you, Dr. Spencer, Dr. Hall, uh, Amy Anderson, and a couple of other victims and myself in a meeting and, um, and, and, and talked about how he had encountered uh, victims throughout his career, but didn't know what it was, and now he finally understands. And all of a sudden, there's a 360 degree turnaround. It seems like uh, because you have these new, the media started to catch the story, and this story, quite frankly, went across our country, and that was very surprising. We had all kinds of coverage uh, with regards to this, but most particularly, what what my concern was is that um, the San Jose Mercury News uh, started interviewing victims. And, you know, those who are not familiar with this type of demographic, 
it can be pretty overwhelming and it could be pretty easy to to write these people away as wearing tinfoil hats or conspiracy theorists, um, regardless of the fact that uh, Kostinich had wrote this bill uh, to protect people uh, from these types of atrocities. Now, Mark Gagan was quoted in the papers as basically saying that what needs to happen to anyone complaining of these types of things is uh, they need to be referred out and medicated. Now, that was quite disappointing because if Mark Gagan did say these things, and uh, I did read the newspaper article and it does say this, um, then, you know, my question is to the Richmond City Council is uh, it's very unfortunate that he would portray supporting victims and wanting to find a resolution and giving, creating a program in which people can reach out and can be helped, particularly within the city of Richmond, and then turn around and basically backstab these victims who are already suffering. Um, and my question would be, where are his credentials? Where, where does he stand? Is he a medical professional? Is he a mental health professional? Is he a psychiatrist who can diagnose and can write a prescription for people who, who he deems mentally ill? And how does this affect his ability as a police officer? Um, how do these biases uh, really affect how he deals with the public? Those are the questions that uh, should be raised by every person in all the constituents from the city council and the city of Richmond. So this is the bottom line. If you have Captain Gagan, who is the PIO officer with regards to this topic, and there were other articles where Chief Magnus has said some similar things, the fact is that there have been other cities who adopted resolutions that are very similar and some almost identical to what the city of Richmond has just adopted with regards to the Space Preservation Act. And that would be your neighbor uh, in Berkeley, in Berkeley, California. This particular resolution was brought before the constituents and they overwhelmingly supported and adopted this resolution. Um, so then are we saying Chief Magnus and Captain Gagan and those of you in the city council who would label these victims who you are torturing again because of your biases and your ignorance and really doing the research and looking at this topic for what it really is. Are you then saying that the citizens of Berkeley should all be medicated? Are you then saying that the city council members of Berkeley who voted for this resolution and supported it should be medicated. Um, I think what really needs to happen is the original process, which Captain Gagan had had the doors open for, where there would be uh, a process where you had a community-based resolution, where you had professionals and uh, citizens working together to eliminate any or minimize any costs that are associated with employing a program that would help victims who are otherwise have no resources out there. Um, and some of these victims are committing suicide because of that. There is this feeling of complete hopelessness because they don't have officials like the ones who voted for this resolution who are willing to stand up and listen to their citizens and their constituents and support them. Um, so I ask you to take a look in the mirror and are you really doing the right thing for the people or are you doing the right thing to keep your position? 
Until next time, I'm Jesse Beltran, and we thank Dr. Spencer, as always, for your support. See you then. Okay, so that was uh, pretty short, um, like 29 minutes video, not video, sorry, audio of uh, with Jesse Beltram and Dr. Edward Spencer, who were talking about the Richmond uh, uh, City Council passing the resolution for bad directed energy weapons, which is pretty astonishing. I think you can think about it. You know, there's all this denial about what it is that we as targets go through uh a daily basis that we talk about the weapons that are being used. Uh, myself I talk about a lot about the formula monitoring, which is uh constant uh, you know, which uh causes me uh great pain. I get a lot of headaches uh, when uh being heavily uh a monitor. If they have access to my mind, they do things like we want to do it. Um, you know, that sort of thing, the feeding of my uh, conscious thoughts. Um, you know, it's just, just a, a lot of stuff uh, that you do. So, you know, want you to go somewhere uh, that they have set up a bit or a theater um, so that when you get there, you know, uh, they already have everything set up to where you're targeted in a, in a particular manner. Uh, if they know that you're going to a particular destination, um, and what I do is that sometimes, uh, you know, I don't think uh, ahead of the way I want to go. Uh, let's say if I've decided that I want to go somewhere, uh, you know, at that particular moment, I just go, you know. And you, know, you kind of catch them off guard because uh, when you get there, you know, they don't, uh, they don't, you still get targeted because, you know, people recognize your face, but they don't run the script or the theater because they haven't had time to set up. So sometimes what they'll do is that uh, if, if I say, okay, I'm going to go here at this moment because I just thought about it, right, they will do things to slow you down and slow me down to prevent me from getting there get, get quickly. So they'll stage kind of like accidents and, and, you know, police uh, activities to slow me down so that when I do get there, they have enough time to uh, create and set up their biscuits or their theater. So, you know, they, 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 they're very, they adapt, they adopt uh, their targeting accordingly, and this is being done in real time, okay? So, as a target, I'm always aware that even if, you know, I made that split decision at that particular moment, that they will do something to slow me down 
the eternal request purchased RCS was denied by the DA in 2011 because it was too controversial. By 2012, however, DA had resolved his concern, likely spending a similar amount of the $773,226 dollars and sixty-four cents plus thousands of maintenance fees. The FBI invested in its own set of software. The team was so committed to business with the American agency that it concocted it concocted code names to refer to refer to them, such as such as the intercept summarize. Hacking team refers to its US clients by code name. The FBI unit is Feedy. DA is Katie and TIA, which appears to have sampled but not bought more control systems, is Marianne. Hacking team has been sharply criticized for its sale of RCS to oppressive regime around the world. Sudan to the Bahrain. Hacking team seeks business opportunities with rulers that target political activists, journalists, and political opponents putting the American government agencies that employ the same technology and often have the same objectives in questionable company. Aside from RCS, one of the more contentious revelations is companies hard sell that they can bypass encryption. The capability the FBI has openly designed since phone companies made encryption a default setting last year. According to one company newsletter, Hacking team offers technology to access the data in clear text before it gets encrypted by the device, send it to the network, and after it is received from the network and encrypted by the device itself. Actually, this is precisely what we do. The FBI did not warrant to use hacking team technology in the hands of, I'm sorry, the FBI did seek warrants uh, to use the hacking team technology in the hands of case but apparently used a different platform for critical investigation. What the FBI really wanted from the Italian firm, according to the emails, was more ability to go after users of Tor. The honor, the, the anonymizing web browser, which users can account for 50% of the FBI use of hacking team products. Regardless of how the technology used, the FBI has encountered skepticism from lawmakers, Senator Chuck Grassley, a Republican out of Iowa, acted director of the FBI, more specific information about the FBI current use of spyware, in order for the Senate Judiciary Committee to investigate serious privacy concerns. In spite of these legitimate concerns, the technology is permeated other levels of government, largely because of aggressive marketing by hacking. District attorney office around the country or either piece of software from San Bernardino to Manhattan. Government lawyers have expressed strong interest in using the company's product for investigation, suggested a dangerous uh, permeation of unconstitutionalized surveillance into an already decayed justice system. Whether or not the government agencies who have purchased the software use it extensively or not, is at this point irrelevant that such bureaus and government officials have so much as the desire to use in some cases in spite of a clear understanding of this controversial nature is cause enough for concern. Meanwhile, Hackensee has remained silent, uh, has remained ambivalent 
Uh, company spokesman Eric Rabbi said, we do not disclose the name or location of our client. We cannot comment, comment on, the on the validity of the documents reported from our company. Or telling the company rationalization in perpetrating authoritarian authoritarianism in the name of profit, however, is a quote from Ganis Carlos, the company chief operating officer, in a 2013 email. He wrote, If you buy a Ferrari, we can take you out of drive. Can I grant you? Can I grant you will be the winner of the race? If Beretta sells you a gun, the most particular and sophisticated one, they can teach you how to use it. They cannot grant you uh, going to shoot your target properly on the field. So we're uh, purchasing these uh, technologies from companies whose sole purpose is to uh, basically invade, create software that invade their privacy, that access their information, that can also decrypt your encrypted file, uh, you know, but they basically But now we know the names of the technology that they use. Uh, you know, recently uh, Firefox, which is a web browser, uh, made it at the fault to where it will uh, turn off uh, the Flash plugin. Now, the Flash, you know, Adobe, you know, has allowed its software to come compromised by government agencies. They have created backdoor keys, and that's what these uh, these flaws in the uh, Adobe Flash uh, program. That's what they are. They're not flaws. They are actually backdoor keys, which the government have uh, the capability to target you uh, using Flash. That's why. You know, get a lot of our targeting on social media sites. For me, it's uh, Facebook. Uh, get a lot of targeting uh, on Facebook. And um, I'm just happy that, you know, now I can choose whether to allow Flash to operate on Facebook when I'm on Facebook. Okay? All right. So let's go on to the next article. Uh, which is, you know, again, yeah, you know, I don't understand why people, you know, they find it so hard that victims of uh, non-consensual experimentation talk about uh, their experience about being experimented. Why is it that people are so eager to just dismiss uh, CI's claim of being experimented on? And you know, when, when when clearly history has shows that, you know, the national government have has, has and will always experiment on its citizens on those that here in the United States. Uh, so the article is from the Business Insider. Um, actually before that let me post the anonymous article on the uh hacking software. Right, and then 
longest experimentation on human beings came in the United States. San Francisco fog is famous, especially in the summer, when weather conditions combines to create the characteristic cooling blanket that provoked the bay. For one fact many may not know about San Francisco fog is that in 1950, the U.S. military conducted a test to see whether it could be used to help spread a biological weapon in a simulated germ warfare attack. This was just the start of many such tests around the countries that will go on in secret for years. The test was a success, as Rebecca Teaston uh, explained over at Discovery Magazine, and one of the largest human experiments in history. But, as she writes, it was also one of the largest offenses of the Nuremberg Code since its inception. The court stipulated that voluntary informed consent is for research participants, and that experiments that might lead to death or disabling injuries are unacceptable. The unsuspecting residents of the San Francisco, of San Francisco certainly could not consent to the military during warfare test. There was good evidence that it could have caused the death of at least one resident in the city, Edward Nevin, and hospitalized 10 others. This is a crazy story. One that seems like it must be a conspiracy theory. An internet search will reveal plenty of misinformation, unbelievable conjecture about the experiment. But the core of this incredible tale is documented true. Successful biological attack, uh, biological warfare attack. It all began in late September 1950, when over a few days, a Navy vessel used giant holes to spray a frog of two kinds of bacteria. Sterotia, Pacifisum, uh, and Bacillus Bobigi, both believed at the time to be harmless. Out in the fog, where they disappeared and spread over the city. It was noted that a successful BW, biological warfare attack on this area, could be launched from sea, and that effective dosage can be produced over relative large areas. Concluded a later declassified military report cited by the Wall Street Journal. Successful indeed, according to Leonard Cole, the director of Terror Machine, director of Terror Medicine and Security Programs at Berger, Jersey Medical School. His book, Cloud of Secrecy, documents the military secret bioweapon test over populated areas. Nearly all of San Francisco received 500 particle minutes per liter. In other words, nearly every one of the 800,000 people in San Francisco exposed to the cloud at normal breathing rate uh, inhaled 5,000 or more particles per minute during the several hours that they airborne. This was about the first, but far from the last, over the next 20 years, the military would conduct 239 germ warfare tests over populated areas. According to new news reports of the 1970s, after the secret test had been revealed in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, and other publications 
via LexisNexis. And also detail a congressional testimony from the 1970s. These tests include large scale release of bacteria in the New York City subway system on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and in National Airport just outside Washington, D.C. In a 1994 congressional testimony, Cole said that none of this had been revealed to the public until a 1976 newspaper story revealed the story of a few of their first experiments. Though at least a Senate subcommittee had heard testimony about experiments in New York City in 1935, according to a 1995 Tuesday report. Edward Nevis III, the grandson of Edward Nevis, who died in 1950, read about one of those early experiments in San Francisco. He connected the story to his grandfather's death of a mysterious bacterial infection. He began to try to convince the government to reveal more data about these experiments. In 1977, they released a report detailing more of the activity. In 1990, the first Edward never had been recovered from prostate cancer uh, surgery when he suddenly felt that a severe urinary tract infection contained in Seretia Nasisa. The, theor the theological harmless bacteria that's known for turning bread red in color. The bacteria had reportedly never been found in the hospital before and was rare in the Bay Area and in California in general. Bacteria spread to Nevin's heart and he died a few weeks later. Another 10 patients showed up at the hospital over the next three months, all with pneumonia symptoms and an odd presence of serotonin. They all recovered. Evan Grantham tried to sue the government for wrongful debt, but the court held that the government was immune to the lawsuits for negligence and that they were justified that the test without subjects to knowledge. Wow. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Army stated that an infection must have occurred inside the hospital, but the U.S. attorney argued that they had to conduct tests in the populated area how a biological agent would affect that area. In 2005, the FDA stated that serotonin, nasocin bacteria, can cause serious life-threatening illnesses in patients in compromised immune system. The bacteria has shown up in a few other Bay Area health uh, crises since the 1950s, part of the Francisco Chronicle, leading to some speculation that the original spread could have established new micro viral population in the area. But never lost his lawsuit, he said afterwards, as supported by Paul, at least you're all aware of what could happen in this country. I just hope the story won't be forgotten. Uh, yeah, and it certainly will not. I mean, this is uh, ridiculous when, uh, you know, a judge say that uh, the U.S. government uh, cannot be held accountable because they have the right to experiment on people. Never mind the United States uh, signed the Nuremberg Code, right, which specifically uh, talked about non-consensual human experimentation and that they need consent to do any type of experimentation. 
I mean, this is the again, and you know, this was many many years ago uh, when uh, this uh, guy brought suit against the government uh, over the death of his father. That was in the 1990s, and uh, that sort of thinking uh, by the judge is really really corrupt and And again, but you know, we as TIs, you know, we can prove uh, through history that you know the government have experimented on countless, countless uh, people, uh, not just century, human experiment. And now they're into the realm of neuroscience. Basically, as if you're a target who have, who is a report, you're a monitoring victim. Uh, we are smack dead in the middle of the experimentation involving neuroscience. And one of the first things that I started to do when I started experimenting uh, when I started to try to figure out, like I used to do my own sort of experiment with myself, you know, thinking of certain things to see what kind of reaction I would get. And, you know, they normally give me a reaction with the sirens, whether it be the police or the fire truck, or even uh, car honking. Um, you know, even now, when I look at a business from inside the house, and I grab certain objects, okay, they'll be the car home, right? And again, these people, they're not honking anybody to move because they're not blocked. I can look outside the window and I can see that, you know, there's no, there's no one that's obstructing them from, you know, driving on the road. But these are people who are sitting in their cars have access to the technology will basically monitor your thoughts because it was given to them by the authorities, okay, and who are using uh, that technology to monitor your brain activity and basically harass you throughout the day. So whether it's whether the, they're honking at the car, uh, sometimes. Uh, the use of police sirens, uh, you know, they have been uh, torturing, terrorizing targets for a very long time. And that's why we, as targets, we have to take a stand. We have to stand up. I mean, myself, what they've been doing recently is, is I believe that they've been trying to cover their asses. They've been trying to cover themselves from any sort of responsibility Okay, for the psychological, physical damage that they have caused, that they have uh, brought upon me, myself, uh, you know, by certain, certain that they, that they would do. Um, when I see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I don't see it. Psychologist, I don't see it. Uh, you know, he's a big time person. At least with a psychiatrist, you know, you should be a little bit more sneaky about the targeting. But the psychologist was very, very, uh, you know, in your face type of target. 
themselves, like, you know what? I'll make two guys. I might end up knocking them And so I was like, no, I'm not seeing this guy. And, you know, the psychiatrist now, uh, you know, he's trusting me, you know, oh, your headaches, you don't have to worry about them anymore. I'm like, what, you know, what do you mean I don't have to worry about them anymore? And I was like, are you telling me something that I don't know? Are you telling me they're going to stop your monitoring me? Which is really almost impossible. That's not the case because they are they will do this to us uh, if they're not stopped before the baby dies. Okay? So we have to stop them. We have to stop them and do that by exporting and explaining the tech, explaining how it affects us, and explaining the method in which they use the effect of negative matter. So, you know, the only thing we can do at this point is uh, expose you, uh, expose and do that by giving our time. a video on InfoWars about uh, to talk about a secret uh, government police program exposed. The federal agents teaching agents how to fabricate evidence to commit perjury under oath in order to steal illegal sources of information, otherwise known as parallel instruction. Uh, maybe I will play the video that I mean, um, it's a it's a 20 minute video. Um, so I'm gonna play. Then after I'm gonna call the night. Uh, it's uh, very very bad. I thought I do want to want to be sure that. Now, we're all well aware of rampant misconduct within our federal agencies. Just off the top of my head, I can think of uh, the IRS targeting conservative groups and then destroying any evidence of that, destroying the servers after they were subpoenaed. We've got the Department of Justice being complicit in uh, shipping guns across the border, Operation Fast and Furious. Um, former Attorney General Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, and, you know, nothing ever happened to him. Now he's at a cushy job at a law firm. So these are just a few of the examples of how our federal agencies are really dealing with their own set of rules. Now, joining me in studio, former IRS Special Agent Joe Bannister and attorney Robert Bernhoff. Now, gentlemen, you really have kind of discovered evidence of kind of some secret police activities here. Legitimately, we are dealing with agencies on operating under their own set of rules. Yeah, that's right, Leanne. Uh, it is a sort of American secret police using uh, illegally obtained secret evidence uh, against American citizens and then lying and 
concealing the fact that they've done it. Um, what's happening, and uh, we have a case in Atlanta, Georgia, where we filed a federal civil rights complaint uh, alleging that it's the first such case of its kind in the country in federal court. Um, Joe is helping assist with his experience as a former special agent, uh, decoding some of the reports and, and putting his fine eye on it. But here's what's happening. Um, it's taken a turn for the worse, in addition to the things you've described. Um, federal law enforcement agents are now able to tap into a super double-secret database of illegally obtained materials, foreign intel, illegally obtained wiretaps, unconstitutionally obtained statements from confidential informants, and this whole Pandora's box of illegal material. They're able to tap into it and then use it to start investigations against American citizens. Uh, it gets worse from there. They are then officially trained, and we brought with us to the studio today an actual page from the Internal Revenue Manual where IRS special agents are actually trained on how to fabricate uh, what they call parallelly construct, an alternative origin of the investigation and source so that they can conceal the fact that they've tapped into the illegal Pandora's box. And then finally, they're authorized and trained to commit perjury, to file false affidavits, and even to lie to federal judges and juries if called upon to keep the whole program a secret. Wow. So all things that if you or I were to conduct ourselves this way, we'd be serving years, lifetime in prison, and either they're basically being trained in how to operate under this different sort of jurisdiction here. So tell me a little bit, what is this parallel construction? Yes, the parallel construction aspect, it's an actual official program, and it's present in all of the federal law enforcement agencies. Uh, Reuters was able to find a document from 2004, uh, which demonstrates that IRS special agents particularly were trained in parallel construction. And what it means is if I'm a special agent like Joe used to be, uh, rather than just do the hard investigative work to detect uh, criminal activity, uh, I can tap into what's called the OSADEF Fusion Center at an undisclosed location in the East Coast. And they will feed me data that they think is relevant, let's say, to my Atlanta area of jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. um, this is all illegally and unconstitutionally obtained information. I started an investigation. Now I'm trained that I can never reveal where I got that information from. So I have to fabricate an alternative scenario. For example, um, Reuters used an example. Let's say that uh, there's a tip that there's a semi-truck driving through Texas and uh, there's a foreign wiretap obtained illegally uh, that suggests there's drugs on that semi-truck. Well, the state troopers will stop that truck, but afterwards they have to lie about the fact that they got that illegal tip. And so they'll create an alternative reality, such as, oh, uh, there was a broken taillight, or, oh, we saw the driver swerve. Uh, across the white line or the median line. And so there, these special agents are being trained to lie and deceive and conceal. Um, I've been doing this for a long time. I've done a number of misconduct cases. I've never seen anything uh, quite like this. It's shocking. Right. And, and a lot of people might say, well, who cares? You know, they're catching terrorists. They're catching these criminals that are shipping drugs across the border, things like that. Uh, but we're actually hearing now they're using this in these civil asset forfeiture cases. So just your average American could be targeted with this and they don't even know how or why they were tipped off or why they got pulled over. And we have cases where there was a young man on a train who had $12,000 taken from him on the spot because he had cash and that was his money. But, you know, the, the cop decided that he obtained it illegally. So now he has to go through the process and, you know, show how he came across that cash and all of that. So 
this does affect an average American. So this is important. It's not just, oh, well, who cares? They're terrorists. It always starts with the best stated intentions. Uh, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, which Joe used to be affiliated with as a special agent, it started off to get the really bad guys, uh, uh, syndicated narco-terrorists, violent international drug gangs. Um, and so that's how the Special Operations Division Parallel Construction Program started. But immediately they expanded it to organized crime and money laundering. And now we know from our Atlanta Federal Civil Rights Suit that we investigated for five years before we brought the suit, that they're targeting ordinary Americans who are not even accused of being organized crime figures. Mm -hmm. They have no involvement with money laundering. Uh, Jerry Marshalletta Jr. ran a successful drywall company. It's, it's just they tell us one thing, they get everybody on board, okay, we're going to go after the really bad guys, dangerous individuals, right. and then they use that Pandora's box information, and they can go after any American with this material, mm -hmm. and they'll lie about it. Right. Well, I know just for myself personally, you know, years ago when I heard of, of them going and scanning your emails and things, it was to find pedophiles. And you think, oh, well, that's great. I don't want anyone, you know, passing along child porn and stuff. But it's not. It goes so much deeper than that. And you're right. They're always kind of saying it's for to catch the ultimate bad guy, but it's really for the average American. And um, so now this Ossidesk Fusion Center, Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, this is fusion centers. I mean, these are all across the United States now set up after 9-11. Uh, is this a specific one, or? Yes. Uh, this is a specific uh, fusion center where Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, and their Special Operations Division, I know there's a lot of acronyms, SOD, they have a special secret location where they have the DICE database and the Compass software computer system. And this is a special database that is used for parallel construction. It's the nexus of all of the materials that are then leaked out into all cities and districts throughout the country. And this is what IRS agents and FBI agents are tapping into. Um, it's notable that, uh, as Reuters reported last year, there was a case where a high-level policymaker at the Department of Justice actually made a secret uh, visit to a federal district court judge's chambers two days before trial started, showed him some sod parallel construction evidence from Pandora's box, and got the judge to sign a secret order barring the defense lawyers or the prosecutor from seeing the material. This came out on appeal where the Third Circuit Court of Appeals discovered this. They were shocked and horrified, and they issued a notice that this had to be briefed. But the idea that an executive branch official from, De from Department of Justice would violate federal law and go into a judge's chambers, that's part of it. That's a federal crime and get the judge to sign a secret order in an open domestic case. When the FISA courts were established, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act courts, secret courts, they said, don't worry about the secret court proceedings. These are terrorists. Well, that sounds like FISA to me. And even in FISA, the government puts a public notice out that they're going to use secret evidence. So terrorists in FISA courts to have more rights than American citizens right now as, as to how this is being operated on the ground. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're going to cut this right here we'll have a little bit more after the news um but joe i wanted to ask you why is this why is it so important that we understand that there are irs agents utilizing this and this particular document you said is no longer in their manual well as most americans probably know the irs uh, is, a, is an information gathering agency and they, they want to know everything about you so that they can you know tax it tax you uh, not only maybe what you pay it in your tax return but much much more 
Um, the problem is that this kind of a, of, a, of a procedure, it's actually geared towards taking down a great deal of people and using the fact that most um, cases plead out. You never get to trial where some of this stuff would be discovered. And most Americans are going to be in that boat. Wow. Right? Like, wow, I'm facing, you know, X number of decades in prison, X hundred thousands of fines. Uh, they're giving me a great deal. And so it enables them, because of the existing plea bargaining system, I'm not saying you don't plea bargain, but the fact that it's so prevalent mm -hmm. to actually help them to cover this up. Wow. And so, you know, working at the IRS, so now in the last century, back in 1999, I'm just, I was floored back then in seeing what I was seeing. And now I just, I hope that enough Americans are going to be like, okay, we all yeah. got to get going on this and, and put a stop to this. This is nasty stuff. Right, absolutely. And we, we've heard of stories where uh, people will actually take the plea because it's, they don't have the money to fight the case. And so maybe they're not even guilty, but they'll just accept the plea deal. You're telling me that they are committing perjury under oath. Yes, but originally, of course, they said they wouldn't do that. <laughs> when Reuters reporters contacted Department of Justice and DEA people, uh, they said, oh, well, wait a minute now. If it doesn't feed out, we'll dismiss before trial. We would never have our special agents take the stand, swear to tell the truth, and then commit perjury before a jury. We would just dismiss it. That turns out to be a lie. Mm. And we know that because of our investigation into the Marshalletta case in Northern District, Georgia, and we filed a complaint there in early May. Uh, we'll get to discovery in a couple months. We'll be able to depose all these people. But during this trial, uh, an ICE and Customs Special Agent and an IRS Special Agent committed streaming perjury regarding the source and the origin of the investigation. We can prove that through about 100,000 pages of documents that we've diced together. So this isn't speculation. These aren't allegations. We can prove exactly where they got the information from and how they committed perjury to conceal it. So, again, the government says, well, may, maybe you have questions about what we're doing here, but, but be sure we would never go into a trial setting before an Article Three federal district court judge, before a jury, with a man or woman's liberty on the line, we would never commit perjury to protect uh, OCDEF, SOD, parallel construction information. And they're lying about that as well, because they do it, uh, they do it every day of the week, and they did it in the Marshalletta case. And then, so in that case, let's see, who are we, there are many agencies, ICE, IRS, FBI agents, prosecutors, and a sitting federal judge. Yes. He, uh, one of the former prosecutors, uh, Justin Anand, was then uh, made a United States magistrate judge. Mm -hmm. It turns out that all the people that conspired uh, to try and destroy Jerry Marshalletta's father's family and the company he built over 20, 30 years, they were all promoted. It's, it's just perverse. Wow. Uh, ICE Special Agent Sellers got a cherry job in D.C. in international operations. IRS Special Agent in Charge, Andre Martin, he was promoted. Uh, he is in District of Columbia with a nice, excellent job up there. Uh, former Prosecutor Anand was made a U.S. Magistrate Judge. Everybody did well by conspiring to violate the martial arts rights. And they all did well for keeping the secret. And that's what it was about. Uh, they lied. They fabricated evidence. They committed perjury to keep secret the origin of the false information against Jerry. And can you explain to me a little bit about the Marshalletta case just so we can see how anyone could see themselves in this situation? Yes. Uh, Jerry owns a drywall company, and um, he was secretly investigated for about five years. Uh, in seven years after the investigation started, he was indicted on tax charges. They were trumped up. There were no tax violations. I'm a criminal tax lawyer. I know a criminal tax case. 
Um, and so it started in 1999. It didn't end until 2012. We came in after the trial, got all the convictions reversed on appeal, and then the government decided to retry the whole case. So we filed another motion alleging outrageous government misconduct. The judge finally dismissed the case in September 12th of 2012, just about a couple of years ago. Um, and I've talked to Jerry over the years, and he's a rational, reasonable person, but he told me, I, I just, people need to know what they did to me and my family so it doesn't happen to other people, file the suit. And so that's what brings us here today. Wow. And Joe, is this something that you've come across before, people being kind of taken to the cleaners uh, in this and just getting it drawn out year after year so that finally they'll just, you know, they won't have the money or the wherewithal to be able to continue on? Unfortunately, the um, they were called stats, you know, short for statistics uh, in the government, and the, the better your stats, better budget you would get, you know, the next year, uh, the more promotion. It's really all based on stats. And so uh, if you have tools like this, uh, as illegal as they might be, and they raise your stats, you're looking pretty, and you're getting more promotions and transfers, and, and you're just looking really good to the government bureaucracy. So I did see that, and it's continuing. It's just that now they're getting even more brazen. Before, I might, well, we'll do some mostly legal stuff or, you know, we do things according to uh, to oil. But now they're taking bedrock uh, principles like telling the truth on the witness stand. And you know what? It's bed- it used to be bedrock, but we don't really need that anymore because look at the stats we can get and look at look how many people we get to plead out and no one will ever know. It's a great system. And that's what the, I believe the thought process is there. And they just, they lose touch with the real world, mm-hmm. where those of us who get under investigation, as I've been, and Bob helped, you know, actually had the resources to, to be acquitted as I deserve, but most Americans don't have those resources, mm-hmm. and it, it's just unconscionable. But all those Americans, before they get fingered with this stuff, we need to all join together and clean house. Right, and, and most people might not even be aware that these type of programs exist to be able to have their attorney say, how did you come across this, you know, evidence? Where did you, how did you build your case and all of that? So kind of like that don't ask, don't tell. If they don't ask, well, then they're not technically lying about it or withholding any information. Well, so what specifically can people do right now? I mean, this is huge. And so you're saying this is probably the first case of its kind that's going to really expose this activity what do we, where do we go from here? This case, to our knowledge, is the first uh, case in the country that alleges this type of, of perjury, fabrication of evidence, all pursuant to the parallel construction issue. We suspect there are hundreds, if not thousands, of others. But as you say, Leanne, it's the defendants and the defense lawyers don't even know that this exists or could exist. They don't even know what questions to ask. And defense lawyers are telling me, well, now that we know about parallel construction, we kind of know what questions to ask but we have no idea in our case that it was used. So we sent a letter to the prosecution saying, gosh, guys, did you violate the Constitution and laws of the United States and use the Pandora's box, OCDEF, Fusion Center, materials against my client? And you could imagine the prosecutor sends a letter back and says, gosh, no. Well, where do you go from there? What process do they have to compel on oath representations and statements about that? And even if you can tell it on oath, as evidenced by the Marshalletta uh, trial in 2007, if you call it a trial, they lie on oath. Right. So this is deeply troubling. Uh, what I would ask people to do 
is just to stay abreast of the developments in this area. Go back and read the Reuters articles from 2014 and August, from August 5 to about August 29th. They're relatively short. They're concise. Um, they also have published the Internal Revenue Manual section that trains the IRS agents to do it. Um, and keep track of the Marshalletta case. The Marshalletta's could use uh, some support in this. They've been fighting this fight for 15 years. And just people dropping them a line and uh, saying we support your efforts would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Any closing words for the average American out there? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, the info warriors uh, know what they're doing when it comes to spreading the word about things. And so you can, you know, they've used a lot of acronyms, and uh, uh, this is all new. Uh, I've heard Alex talk about this a number of times, David Knight, and many of the people here. So the uh, the concept is not new. Maybe some of the details are. Mm-hmm. But um, these people were wronged, the Marchalettas, and they are. Uh, there's a lot more that have been wronged that, that don't have the resources. So if you have a, a friend or a relative who's an attorney, mention the word parallel construction and have them uh, watch this uh, this news show and, you know, start to spread the word. And I think the word will spread fast, uh, yeah. especially in D.C. Yes. Uh, well, a lot of people didn't even know civil asset forfeiture existed in that program or even Edward Snowden and everything that he revealed. So that was just a couple of years ago. We had no access to that information. And we have been conspiracy theorists for years. Uh, and now it's, you know, here we here we have proof, we have evidence. And so hopefully this can be the beginning of dismantling all of that misconduct that's rampant right now in our federal government. It's about hopeful. It's about yeah. hopeful uh, for the opportunity to talk about it tonight. Yeah. Well, so we, we remarked about how uh, pieces, you get more pieces to the puzzle. Oh, yeah. now I see how this fits here. And so we just, you know, Bob's doing an amazing job in uh, putting a lot more puzzle pieces into the puzzle. Right. And that's really what it's all about. It's just shining the light. And even if it's just little pieces, now we have a new piece of the puzzle. So thank you guys so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. That was actually a pretty good um, uh, video, pretty good interview here, and uh, I think we all can relate to what was said in some form or another. Um, you know, with me, the, the illegally, uh, you know, why it happened my phone, bad uh, evidence, uh, those things. Uh, you know, and like you said, right, the average citizen don't have the money to face people in court. And, uh, you know, but me, that's why I, I do videos. That's why I export them. So if anything uh, was to happen to me, uh, no, definitely, I, my evidence is also for my losses. Um, but it's the mission hits the fan, it's going to hit the fan. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to uh, prevent uh, T.I. from coming forward to uh, you know, truly expose it uh, for us to be interviewed by reputable uh, news agencies. They're going to do everything in their power to uh, prevent that from happening. So, you know, my documentation is there to back up my claim, what was done to me, um, 
then I will proceed with my lawsuit. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.